What's going on, world? Welcome to Changing the Narrative. This is a show where we discuss everything from politics, philosophy, theology, social issues, economics, and more from a biblical perspective. The main goal of this show is to find truth. What is the truth about all these matters, and how should we respond once we have a greater understanding of the issues? Let's discuss. What's going on, people? Welcome back. So, I uh, got a quick announcement. I'm changing the name of the show, and I will announce the new name on the next show, um, and I'll give you my reasons for why. And that's it for that announcement. So, uh, let's just get into it. On today's show, I'm just airing a roundtable discussion I had about the Candace Owens film called The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, and um, it was about the George Floyd incident and Black Lives Matter. So I got a group of people together. We all had a discussion about this and we talked about the media, how the media manipulated the story, how they manipulate the public. And um, we also talked about the people funding the Black Lives Matter movement, the different agendas, etc. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. Before we get into it, I just want to promote two courses. Um, and I'm only promoting this because I personally believe in them. Um, so if you're someone that is into self-development and you're looking for self-development with substance, not like some pie in the sky, um, you know, if you believe you can achieve secret type stuff. No, this is actually, this is more than self-development. If you're looking for different areas to grow in. So for instance, you want to learn about money, how money works, um, finances, you want to learn about history, like objective history, how the world really works, good factual sources to go to, um, you know, who really controls the world. I'm not trying to sound crazy, but, you know, um, how, how the world has been or who who have been the power players behind shifting the world and making things happen in the world. And uh, you want to learn about the history that wasn't taught in school. Um how to grow your own food, logic courses, uh, homesteading, crypto, all of that. You can find all of this information in this course called Autonomy. I'm going to post a link to that course. It's endless. I mean, it's like a, it's just a treasure trove of information. And there's a like-minded community of people that you can um, talk to as well. There's students from all across the world. Um, also, there's another course called Liberty Classroom. I would definitely recommend that. So if you're someone that's interested in history and economics from a pro-freedom perspective and you don't know where to begin and you don't know which sources you can go to, um, this is it. If, you, if you're if you trying to defend yourself more effectively in discussions against leftists or people who think you're selfish or evil because you believe in freedom and they're trying to persuade you into believing in socialism, um, this is for you. If you, your teachers or professors are giving you a biased view of history and you want facts and arguments to effectively debate them, I would recommend Liberty Classroom. And if you're tired of uh, the media's propaganda and you just want truth, again, Liberty Classroom, I think it's it's a good course. Tons of information in, in that course as well. I'm going to post a link to that. So on that note, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Oh, and I also have a few words at the end, given my personal commentary on the, the conversation we had. So I hope you guys listen to that. Anyway, enjoy.
What's going on, people? Welcome back to Changing the Narrative. I have some guests with me. We just watched the Candace Owens film, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold. So I just wanted to get some opinions. Um, I want to get people's thoughts on the film, what they thought about it, what they liked about it, what they didn't like. And uh, on that note, let's talk to the people. What did you think about the film? Well, I, I had some um, preconceived uh, ideas um, based upon the images that were shown. I still have some questions about the angle of the person's knee. Was it actually, they showed two angles, was it actually on his neck? Or the image that they showed from behind, was it more on his shoulder? I think that's significant. Um, the thing that struck me and that kind of really altered my perspective is really the phenotol. That was a key. It, the the fact that that was in his system and the possibility that despite any of the other things he could have quite possibly died with an overdose of that drug in his system so that probably was the most impactful thing that I saw um, throughout the film gotcha me. okay anybody else want to give their perspective on the film and what they thought their critiques I pretty much agree with a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned, uh, but I always take in consideration it, whatever, whatever type of documentary, if it's from the left or the right side, so I always think there is a, what you say, some, there's always something behind it. Um, but one thing I do know that I know right off the bat was incorrect. It wasn't $1 billion. It was $5 billion that was damaged over that period of time. And there are some things that were definitely left out, um, but you only have so much amount of time to put in contracting that time in a document, any document that you see. Right. So I really would like to see another one resurface like probably a year later, um, going back over the same people that she might have mentioned with and some other people who she was trying to reach out and didn't. That would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. Would you like to give your take? <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's hard to divest self of bias. Um, educational, situational, exposional, whatever bias. And um, having said that, I approach a documentary from my legal, philosophical mind to the extent that, as Paul said, facts are facts, but the interpretation of facts makes them changeable, makes them presentable in a different setting, a different narrative. And as I watched the film, re-watched the film, something jumped out at me. Just like each time you see uh, the same thing, you get new interpretations, new insights. And one thing that struck me was that um, there's a factual event that occurred. And all persons who were there saw that fact. There's a factual event that was broadcast in terms of a time stamp, a time sequence. And again, using my philosophical legal mind, that's an ontological fact, which then superimposed over people's perspective, person's interpretation. And in that regard, it is now packaged by someone who now has their own bias. Because I don't think any human being can be void of bias. Well, which then is received by persons who also have their own biases. Would you agree that you could have a bias towards falsehood 
and a bias towards truth? I mean, again, you so know, the, philosophy. The, 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 the correct, everybody has a bias, but the correct bias would be if it's towards the truth. Would you agree? Again, being a philosopher, truth is always a reflection of a person. So there there's, is no truth? There's no absolute truth. Are you saying that absolutely or relatively? I'm speaking as an individual. Yeah, but you're making an absolute statement. No. Yeah, you are. I am sharing an individual <laughs> perspective. I know, but you just made an absolute statement about truth, but no. denying that it can be absolute. I'm making an individual perspective <laughs> okay, on an okay. absolute thing, <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> All right. Let me ask you guys this question. And uh, whoever wants to speak next, just raise your hand. Can or I, can I, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. In regards to the documentary, I appreciated it because I've heard so many different stories throughout all the different medias. And I appreciated the fact that she interviewed the roommates. I appreciated um, hearing more about it in order that I can have more information to come to a decision on my own. So there were things that I had not heard before that I heard in this documentary that kind of was brought to light and I appreciated that aspect of it, if nothing else. And um, in regards to especially the, the BLM, the Black Lives Matters movement, and how they really conned a lot of people into um, giving so much money and the black communities saw none of it, especially George Floyd's family. So um, that was really an interesting to hear. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you guys this. Was the incident worth the response? Meaning, um, after this incident took place, we had all of these riots. We had so much outrage. Everybody, a lot of people were divided. I mean, it became like a global movement. Like I think I recall seeing coverage in Europe of people doing protests for George Floyd. It was huge. Even locally, um, in this downtown area, there's a, a restaurant where a Black Lives, uh, Black Lives Matter mural was uh, placed on a restaurant. And I never thought I would see something like that, to be honest. So, I mean, it, it impacted um, basically the whole country. So I want to know, I mean, was after seeing this documentary, can you say that it was worth like all of this, this, the damage, the businesses being shut down? Was it worth the response or the incident? Was the response worth the incident? Yes, because I think it's high time that because he died, right, is how he died. And I feel like people are like, he cannot represent every black person. And I say, well, every Christian feels like Jesus represents them, right? It's about not respecting black lives. Would that have happened to somebody else of a different race? You know what I mean? In the same situation. And they try to make it look like, oh, he was a criminal. He was this. He was that. Was he supposed to be on T-shirts when he robbed a, a family at gunpoint? Like they're missing the whole point about how he died. And I feel like... We are not respected as a race. So yes, it warranted it. If that's what it took to wake people up, of course, there were bad things that happened after that with the money and everything. But to wake people up, to see that we are people too, and we deserve respect, we deserve to be here, I feel like it was warranted. Mm. Can I, can I add to Kurt? 
Okay. For me, um, it, it's kind of like a, a very complex question. I believe that what happened was a tragedy. I do believe that there was an agenda behind it that kind of like was a trampoline that kind of pushed it off into a direction to um, put this out there. It wasn't, it was not only about George Floyd. That was one thing that happened, but I think there were people in the background that was utilizing this situation for something more nefarious. And a lot of black people died. There were a lot of black communities that suffered because of this. And when you turn around and you say black lives matter, what about those lives? What about those communities that they built up and people came into their communities so that they wouldn't have to go into other communities to be able to um, buy things that they normally do and they went around and burned a lot of these communities went in and stole from you know these stores I understand that it's somebody else's stuff but it was in a neighborhood that was primarily black these things were mm -hmm. in black neighborhoods so um, it didn't happen in other people's neighborhood it still happened in in our black neighborhood so it's as if you used something that was supposed to highlight the life of a black person, regardless of if the fact that he was a criminal or not, he was a human being. But then you also use that to kind of um, take down a lot of um, uh, progress that were made in black communities, especially in, 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 in regards to people having jobs in these um, home stores and things that were torn down during that time. Mm -hmm. And our progress went way back in that time. You go into these neighborhoods today and they're still not fixed up. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of like, why was this done? Was it for black lives that matter or was it for a hidden agenda or an agenda yeah. that we just haven't seen the fullness of it yet? Yeah. And in the meantime, it's showing that we're still being used. Yeah. Yeah. I, I asked that question because, um, I, I look at, the outrage and, and the, the backlash and all the, the after effects. And it seems to me like there's even more division, um, not only racially, but politically as well. And uh, like you were saying, like black communities were uh, torn down, businesses were shut down. Um, so it's something that I question. Um, let me ask you guys this. Uh, has anyone seen, after watching this documentary, have, have you seen any of this coverage being presented by the national media? Or is, or is this the first time that you've seen some of this footage? And why do you think that is, if so? What I saw um, was, uh, was already played in the courtrooms. That's pretty much it. Um, and maybe like 5% of it. So I give Candace and Daily Wire the credit of what they did and research facts, but I watch both sides of the media. Uh, majority, uh, liberal side, just to get on their points of view, and a lot of podcasts on both sides, and just to see. I've been watching. I've been listening to the news since '84. Dan Rather. I've never seen it, and it's just gotten worse over the past ten years. That's why the all the extra media, other people are getting their own podcasts. I think it's people reaching out. They're sick of what's presently happening. What worries me in society alone is how easily manipulated people can be. You can't think for yourself or you can't challenge it. That's what worries me. Not only people my age or slightly older, they can't even think for themselves. And I'm like, you should always question things in life. Always. When you doubt, then that's something you got to really think about. You really should uh, worry about that. That's big in my perspective. 
Well, to answer your first question, um, I came in with no preconceived notions. I didn't want to. You know, I, I know, obviously, we all have our biases, and I know where Candace is coming from, and I know where the national narrative had been coming from. So I wanted to watch it and judge for myself. Now, she pointed a few things out that I was already aware of, but there are other things deeper that I was not aware of. So I found that very interesting, how the movement has, has been essentially manipulated from the very beginning to capitalize on black people, manipulate black people, right? And the second question of whether or not the, the little mayhem was justified. Well, people can be angry, but there are constructive ways to approach that anger. What was happening, not just in the United States, but across the Western world particularly, was the fact that his death was used as a vehicle by these manipulators, by the narrative to destroy our societies, to divide our societies, to wreck everything and to tear everything down. And here we are now, right? We're, we're divided, we're arguing amongst ourselves about things that, that really we thought were kind of on the way out. Mm-hmm. Now here they are, they're bringing them back again just for, this, just for the reason of keeping us divided against one another when we should be focusing our attention on the manipulators. Right, Right. absolutely. Here is it that, and I mean, History 101, the only time there was a national news, not under antediluvian Israel, not under the Byzantine Empire, the Greco-Roman era, Soviet Union, was only, and the Third Reich under Germany. So there's never a national news. There's always institutions, individuals, who have a particular agenda. Now, mm. Whether or not this response was worth it or appropriate is to ask that question, who decides what that appropriate measure? Who decides what that value system is? Because let's face it, even after a hurricane, which is nature, even after a tornado, there are incidences which are bad and there are incidences which are good. So... As Karen said, I will never subscribe to the riots, the looting of the very black communities who this movement sought and thought to protect. But nonetheless, when you said, was it worth it? Mm -hmm. What value system? Or more importantly, whose value system you're using to measure that worth? Okay. I can answer that. I, I think personally... The ultimate standard is God and uh, the God of the Bible, which, which I believe in. A lot of some people don't believe in the God, of Bible, the God of the Bible, but that is the ultimate standard of law of perfection. And I think when we look at uh, incidents like this, we have to look at our responses and judge whether or not, you know, according to the word of God or God's standards, okay, should we be doing this? Should we be looting or tearing down? Is this the uh, is this a productive approach? Is this a, a godly response? Are we going to win hearts and minds with this type of response? Are we going to change society and you know have any progress with this kind of reaction? Um, now I want to ask you guys another question, and I want you to give your honest opinion from the heart. If George Floyd was white, would this story have been as big? Had George Floyd been white, having the same circumstances occur? No, they would not. They, they would not have had the same response, not by the media, not by the population, 
And that's the unfortunate, sad reality of it. If he was white, they would have accepted, accepted his counterfeit to begin with. This would not have started. <laughs> if, if, George, if, if George Floyd was white, I, I, I do believe that there would not be the attention that was given. Because um, regardless of um, the focus on black people and police brutality, majority of police brutality happens against um, against white people because there's more white people in this country than blacks. So that's, that's on a national scale. That happens. But however, um, because of the fact that he was black and again, because there was an agenda that was being um, played out, that's why it happened the way that it did. And uh, again, I answer in this context... There's a philosopher who once said, when you ask a question, you're presupposing that you know the answer. And the mere fact you ask a question, if he was white, then clearly you already accept an answer. And How do you know that? Because you ask a question. But, but undeniable. What? Undeniable. If he were white, the circumstances, the situation, the outcome would have been different. Undeniable. But again, the mere fact you ask the question presupposes that a different outcome, a different chain of events would have ensued. Okay. Well, the reason I bring that up is because shortly after he died and we, we had these riots, um, I didn't know about this case, but I heard about this guy by the name of Tony Temper, and he was a white guy. And he was handicapped. I think he, he was schizophrenic. He had some mental disorders. And he, um, I think he ingested cocaine. But he called 9-11 for help. And the cops came and they basically, from my understanding, they tackled him um, to the ground and they ended up killing him. And he was, I think he was crying out for help. And um, long story short, um, from, from what I read from the reports, um, the cops made fun of him and he died and there was really no national outrage. I didn't even hear about the story until I heard about George Floyd. And then I, th I think I saw uh, his lawyers uh, being interviewed and they said, man, you know, this case is, is horrible. It's just a, a gross, you know, um, injustice that happened to this guy. And it's kind of like the George Floyd situation. That's what his lawyer said. And... I never heard about it until I heard about this, but it wasn't publicized. And I asked myself, why is that? And why is it that, you know, when it comes to black death, it's, there seems to be, in my opinion, seems to be more of a spotlight placed on black death and more emotion drawn. But like you guys were saying, if, if he was white, he wouldn't have gotten that much coverage. In your opinion, in your opinion, um, well, you guys would agree. You see something wrong with that, right? Obviously. Ninety-five percent of stuff that happens in the U.S. has nothing to do about race. Again, it goes back to what I say earlier: how easily people are manipulated. People use race from by God from the very beginning of this country for a lot of reasons that were good and that was bad. Okay, I mean, and even today, people will still bring up. Numerous topics, but it, it will draw down to race. 
oh, this person to get it hired because of this, or this person to do it because of the, there's a lot of factors into it. I always break it down. I tell someone, hey, uh, would you want a surgeon? Would you want the best surgeon? You don't want someone that just happened to graduate, just barely got in, just barely got to do surgery on your head. Just make it as simple as can be. But no, there's always people that want to use excuses. Oh, I had it tough. I know plenty of people from other countries that had it worse than people here in the U.S. that have done a hell of a lot better. And they don't use excuses. And if they can do it, that's why I tip my hat. And I, I don't care for a lot of the excuses people are around. That when they use race, they both sides, everybody, if it's white, black, whoever. Yes, I, I mean, I agree with uh, a lot what my brother just mentioned. Uh, what I see, the, the big difference is there's a historical context to, to the U.S. And the elephant in this room is, is obviously the North American slave trade. So I guess what we saw and the way it was presented was a lynching. That's what that's the way the narrative played out. That's the reason why in my um, observation of the um, documentary, I wanted to perceive for myself, was it necessary for that police officer, regardless of the fact that he had the fentanyl in his body, and I mentioned that he could possibly have died otherwise, but People have survived it before, you know. Was it his knee actually on this guy's neck? Was it necessary that type of force when his hands were already constrained behind his back um, at that particular time? He wasn't really a, a physical threat at that time, face down. Um, so the, it's it's that narrative of, of a public lynching, and that's where the race comes in, so I understand that part. Um, and then we see... From there, um, a, a collage of um, misdirection, um, mm. fraud, and exploitation. So it's, it's a collage of different things. It's like they say um, two rights, uh, two wrongs uh, don't make a right. I, I really don't see a whole lot of right in any of the situation. It was, it was a tragic situation. Um, I, I don't believe that. As Candace said, that Floyd was a, he wasn't a uh, saint. saint, he wasn't a saint. But then philosophically, does a person have to be a saint to be a martyr? And, and to myself, no, they don't. You can, you know, you can be a bad person, but justice is still justice, even if you were a bad person. Uh, was he uh, doing a bad thing? Yes, he was doing a bad thing. Was he character-wise, as a lot of people would say, a not so good person, probably so, but I, I guess the part for me, my where my bias, I'm trying to pull away my bias to see, was it did the police officers adjudicate themselves in that situation, particularly at the point where he was prostate in the way they should have? Um, I would say that the, the police officer, in my opinion. He, he was doing too much at that point with that man on his face like that. He was doing too much. What happened afterward is, is political exploitation and a lot of different other things. So. Right. I wanted to um, comment on some things that you said, but I, I had another question to, um, I think I kind of touched on this earlier. Would you say that black death generates more controversy than another death from another race. And what does that say about the media that they would 
choose a black death and, and promote that over the death of um, another race. What does that what does that say about race relations in this in, in this country? Or what and what does that tell you about the media that they would so focus on black deaths rather than, you know, deaths in from another race and they would just magnify it more than any other? Well, to comment on that, I think it's a matter of what suits the narrative of that given moment. Right now it's it's convenient for them to exploit the tragedy of the death of a black man. It, during a you know, other other times in history, it was the Hispanic people. Other times, it was Native Americans. It depends on what what narrative you want to push this any given day, and it's all about again divide and conquer, and through the narrative, and and they they stoke people's fears, they stoke their their anger, they drive people toward toward um, conflict, and they're hoping that our ignorance or our even our hatred will will blind us to anything of what they're doing. I also think, um, as someone um, not American, um, when I came to this country, there were a lot of movies and a lot of things that were um, emotionally driven in regards to like Kuta Kente and all of those movies that really pull you in and make you despise the people that were doing this, you know, the torturing and, and you look to the people that are doing this, that are suffering and they looked like you. So we have been conditioned in all of these times that have been in the past to watch these movies, to see what has happened to, to black people and by whom. And so when something like this happens, it's a trigger. And that's what happens when you, it's a psychological game. And that we, if we're not thinking for ourselves, we fall right into it. It's like, that's the norm of how to respond. And it's not, mm -hmm. that's, no. that's what I see at times. And, and uh, you see, when you say the media, there's no homogeneous media. No. As I'm paying to point out, the only the media was the Third Reich or communism, which was centrally command, or the Greco-Roman Empire. So the media, as you said, are various interest group, various individuals, various organizations with a particular specific agenda. And but, as Karen said, when but, you say black people, it, you, you must remember the principle of proportionality and the law of ratio. Now, this injustice, in my opinion, has been happening on a larger scale in terms of ratio and in proportionality to every other race more. What's that? The issue of injustice. Now, what kind of injustice? Every injustice you can think of. So everything from police brutality. Police brutality. Uh, you can think of undereducation. You can think of wealth accumulation. And as Eric said, if you can go back to the Atlantic transatlantic slave trade. So I mean, we can go all the way back. Any injustice you can speak of, but we can speak of particularly police brutality. No. Which other race, in terms of proportionality, in terms of ratio, has suffered more injustice? In fact, the police force, the first prison institutional, came out immediately 
after emancipation. First prison system. The very fields, automobile, cotton, every industry was staffed by blacks. Now, injustice is injustice everywhere. But in terms of proportionality, black people responded to George Floyd because it was every day in your face. Yes, this deranged fellow who was killed by the police, nobody saw it. Because on a scale of proportionality, how many are there? As you said, even today, some black person suffered injustice. And it will be on the news later on or so, tomorrow. So earlier, um, this lady, um, this lady talked about um, whites being the majority of, of this nation. And you're saying that blacks suffer more injustice than any other race. So whites, to my uh, understanding, make up, what, 65% of the population? In terms of um, numbers and statistics, being that they're 65% of the population, you're saying that 13% or blacks make up 13% of the population. You're saying that 13% suffers more than the 65%? No, you're looking at raw proportion. And if I can juxtapose, there are more females to males, yet there are more males in prisons. So if I'm going by your simplistic analogy, you would have more females in prison because there are more females to males. Not because there are more whites in terms of a simplistic proportion to, to blacks. It means that whites should then suffer more injustice. But the situations that have been created put black at a more disadvantage or more disadvantageous. Let me ask you. Let me push back on that. Okay. Can I ask? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. One is um, women, the reason why there's not more women in, in prison in the U.S. Mm -hmm. than men is because they're not treated, they're not given the same equality of sentence. It's the same, they're not given the same sentence. If, if a woman murders someone and the guy murders, it would, they would not be, statistically speaking, they would not be given the exact same um, uh, sentence. sentence for it. That's been. Gosh, from the beginning. I mean, uh, I'm sorry? There's a bias. Yes, there's definitely a bias. Now, yeah, is our system pragmatic? Yes, of course. But there is a no perfect system. But you know, hold on. And then, I mean, oh, and I mean, what's that? Go ahead. But, but here you're going back to my original position that every situation, every human being has a bias. And you're right. The sentence is there's a bias. There is affirmative action. So on boards, there be a certain, there is a UN declaration that there has to be a certain quota of women, a certain quota of black, the affirmative action. Let, so therein lies the bias. Let me, but the bias doesn't negate the fact that there are injustice. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, because a lot of times I hear people talk about black injustice and there's so much attention focused on that. And I'm not denying that there is injustice um, geared towards people because of the color of their skin. But are you aware of any white injustice? Can you give me any examples of um, white people being discriminated against or injustice towards the white community? Give me an example. Of course. Give me an example. There are millions of white injustice. Every day is happening. 
But okay, but give, give me. I just want an example. Just no, no. An example. But just like human rights, I can't speak on the behalf of women with women rights. I can speak on the behalf of human rights because okay. I'm a member of the human race. I got you. I have to adjust my issue as it okay. affects. So let me respond to that. Uh -huh. You see, and this is um, my observation. We can talk about black injustice and name the names of victims and they can roll off of our tongue. But if I ask somebody, and it's not just you, and I'm, I'm not trying to you know, single you out. If we ask about a wrongdoing that's been committed towards a white person or white injustice, I can't get a, um, a readily available answer. And I think that says a lot about the narratives being told to us. Everybody faces injustice. You know what I mean? But it seems like there's some cherry picking. And like we were talking, we were talking um, about this earlier, and I think you mentioned, you were saying that the media likes to present a particular side for the purpose of manipulating our emotions. And when it comes to this George Floyd case, it seems like there has been a lot of um, hatred, you know, that has sprung out of this. Race relations, like I was talk like I was, like I mentioned earlier, it seemed like we're a little bit more divided. You know, I have people, when I talk to a lot of people um, of color, my father was in the Nation of Islam. When the George Floyd incident happened, I would talk to people and, you know, I would hear a lot of um, racially irresponsible remarks like, you know, look at these white devils doing this again. They always got our foot on our necks. You know, you see Al Sharpton getting up there. They've had our foot on our necks for years and years. So a lot of this um, generates anger towards one another, towards another race. And I don't think the media is helping, you know, but I just wanted to uh, point that out, but go ahead. So the media is not helping because that is their narrative. It is to separate us, it's to divide us. Um, as human beings, blacks, whites, even the Asians, because there was a time right there where they had black people attacking Asian people and they were broadcasting that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's not just about black people. And the problem is just as, um, my brother over here stated, Devin, in regards to who is behind the media. And right now we're in a, we're in a serious situation here in the United States of America where if we're not thinking, we're only minding our own business, we're going to be taken over, kind of like Venezuela, kind of like Cuba, and that's how they start, divide and conquer. And if we are, you know, are not thinking clearly, we're going to be caught up and it's going to be the biggest um, like gift to whomever it is that's behind the media and who they've already sought out who to uh, offer different states to in America, because that's the plan. And mm -hmm. if we are sitting here and thinking that, oh, we have no part to play in this, we're lying to ourselves. Yeah. You know, yeah. we are lying to ourselves. I'm going to chime in real quick and then I'll let you speak. You said earlier, you made a comment, you said a lot of times we're divided amongst each other mm -hmm. and we're not focusing our attention on the manipulators, the people that are manipulating us. So we're just bickering amongst each other. I'm not, you know, not to um, belittle the whole situation, but we're arguing amongst ourselves. Meanwhile, the manipulators who are above us, who control the media agencies, who control the money and all of that stuff, they're completing their agenda. But anyway, go ahead. No, I'm, my observation has, has expanded, you know, in the midst of the conversation. And what I'm seeing is that the issues at hand, the race relationships, 
they're sort of in the ch- in the whole chess match. Those issues are actually the pawns, mm-hmm. and what's re- what's really pushing the narrative, what's the king and what's the queen, is uh, political expediency. Obviously, there there's political factions. If you anyone that's been observing what's been going on, uh, there's a factionization on the left and on the right. And there's always the economic side of it. There's a class issue. So there's people that are making money. The people that are visibly making money, they're actually probably closer to the pawn side of it. The people that are higher up, that are actually probably gaining the most, both politically and economically, they're out of the view of the fray. So that's kind of what I'm observing right now. Did you? Okay, go ahead. You know, to, to um, bring Karen's point earlier, we have year after year, even, even at the height of all this nonsense, how many young black boys are dying in Chicago? Who, who cries for them? Who mourns for them other than their mothers, right? And, even, even, and then how, many, how much injustice is going on with other people in this country? You know, you could be Asian, East Asian or South Asian. You're considered white adjacent now because you don't agree with the narrative or because you are overrepresented in one degree or another because they want to dumb down the population. Now, now, juxtapose that to compare and contrast this to going back to your earlier question, whether all this was justified, all, all the mayhem was justified. Look at look what happened in Britain with the Irish Republican Army. Was that justified? Right. Was the years of terrorism and the destruction between you know, the English and the Irish, was that justified? And, you know, you can compare and contrast the similarities between black Americans and the white Americans and the Irish and, and the English. So we have to ask ourselves those kind of questions and look through history. I, go ahead. It's kind of, it's, it's basically like an elitism group set. Mind think, let's say that, mind think. Um, for the English and the Irish, they thought they were, they were both white. Yep. But one thought they were better than the other. And they abused them. They sla- enslaved them and used their youth. They came and took whatever they wanted from them. Similar to this, it just so happened that there's a color difference, and that's what they're using in America to try to um, navigate around the race situation. But it really doesn't matter. It's Mm -hmm. whoever you can utilize to enslave their minds, then you have them. You know, that's basically what it is. It has nothing to do with color. It's about how you think, what your mindset is, and are you willing to fight or are you willing to, to back down, submissive, you know? Um, I was, after the riots, I, I found this uh, magazine, it's called, uh, it's by the New American, it's called Police Under Fire, and I found some interesting things in here, and I wanted to read you some quotes. So a talk, there's an article called, Are Local Police to Blame? And we were talking about the money and um, the funding mechanisms about this earlier, I think the, the film mentioned, mentioned it, but the writer in this uh, article, he says... To those such as this writer who were old enough to have lived through the earlier riots of the 1960s, um, not only do we have the same revolutionary rhetoric and same street tactics producing same deadly results, but we're seeing once again the same alliance of radical people in the streets um, and radical suits in the suites. The same tax-exempt foundations, Ford, Rockefeller, Carnegie, and corporate globalists who funded the incendiary Marxist-Leninist cadres. And he makes a a really good point in here. So he talks about the people who fund some of these uh, organizations like Black Lives Matter and so forth. 
And he says the Women's Donors Network is one of numerous funding coalitions of white radicals that are funneling tens of millions of dollars into phony grassroots black-led organizations that can be called on to to materialize protesters on cue. Whether the cause be global warming, minimum wage, legislation, abortion rights, homosexual rights, racism, police brutality. And he named some of the organizations. Um, Grassroots Institute for Fundraising Training, Neighborhood Funders Group, North Star Fund, um, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Ford Foundation, Tides uh, Foundation. And the last quote I want to um, make, he talked about the Ford Foundation doing this um, years ago. Ford, for instance, played a seminal role in financing key operatives that sparked and led the 1960s race riots mentioned above, as well as the student and anti-war riots that erupted on so many college campuses during the same period. One of the main Ford Foundation agents brought in to incite the Harlem riots was a violent black racist her named Herman B. Ferguson, a member of the Revolutionary Action Movement. He was a communist terrorist from a communist terrorist organization. Ferguson and some of his RAM comrades were subsequently arrested and indicted in a plot to assassinate more moderate black leaders, as well as Senator Robert F. Kennedy. Ferguson jumped bail and fled the country to Guyana, where he stayed for many years. Turns out he had received at least 77,000 from the generous Ford folks to fund his incendiary activities. So my point in saying that is that Sometimes we look at these organizations, we're thinking this is authentic and this is genuine, but a lot of this money is coming from, I don't want to make it about race, but white billionaires. So you got to ask yourself, why are billionaires funding these movements? Is it because they just care so much about black injustice? You got to ask yourself that. That's the million dollar question. And this points towards communism, which I will talk about later. I'm glad you're reading the material. I have that material. Um, as you said, Great Britain, Ireland, same white. I give a bit of history. The very folks, the philosophers who advised the government how to crush Ireland, they were invited to America. Mm -hmm. Lettice, L-E-T-T-I-Z, and Wolf Committee. You can research it. The Rand Commission or the Rand Institute. Corporate. Rand Corporation. Corporation. Yeah. They were first employed in Chicago by the government of the day, Britain and Northern Ireland. So, and that's why I said I love philosophy and law so much because there's always the context, there's a subtext, and then there is the pretext. So if we're caught in this thing about race and about wealth and about geography and all of that, we lose sight of, as I said, the big corporations who have their agenda, just like the, um, the documentary. The person has their agenda. The big corporations, they have an agenda. And if we go back to the agent of socialization, before now, all the agents thought to combined or they would reinforce another agent. No. Why do we look to the media for influence or for direction? And as I said, who is the media? Who right. controls the media? What is the media? Talking about media, everybody, each one of us in this room, we're common, everyday people. We go to work every day. We make up the people. We are the people. So 
I'm asking myself, why, how, how is it that the media has so much influence on this country, on people like us? Why do we even watch the news, to be honest? Like, after watching this documentary and then looking at what the, how the media presented this story and looking at this, why, how do they, why do they even have jobs? They get paid millions of dollars to manipulate us. Isn't that crazy? I, 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 so, I, I, again, beauty being a philosopher is an Italian philosopher, Antonio Gramsci. And if you go back, you can understand what the very same issue he, he addressed, the media. Before him, there was Galileo, who was imprisoned. When everyone thought the earth was flat, and he said, no, the earth can't be flat. So the point I'm trying to make is that the media has a space. And if you take it, let us say the CNN came about in the 1970s when it, was, when it became 24 hours. The space that it occupies, there is no more personal space or private space or public space. There is one space. The media encroaches upon that space. Now, you can't divest yourself of the media. Why not? What you must have is an enlightened self-interest. Because if you close your mind from the media, again, being a philosopher, you will be Japan as opposed to China with Great Britain. You will, you will be Africa as opposed to Europe. Okay, but let me, let me push back on that. You would, you would agree, we would agree that we give the media power, correct? Because they make their money. It is a business. So they have to have consumers. They need people to consume their agenda. So we give them power. Why can't we take back that power and push and put that power into more uh, genuine media or good media? Well, I think that's what we're presently doing now. This is the first time I think in history where because of the internet, the positive side of the internet, where you have more people coming in, like um, Tim Pohl, a lot better third party, that talk about politics on a center left, maybe, or center right points of view. But like I said, I watched the news from and since 84 and come to presently now. The, the first time I ever heard anything negative towards AKA president, per se, that was like out of the wall was remember when rather uh, had interviewed President Bush the first time, and he interrupted and he talked down to him. That was like a big spectacle back in in, in the eighties. Okay, that was, and now it's just very common now to go back what you're talking about. Why did I think it's still important to watch? If you're conservative, definitely watch as much on the left uh, than you watch on the on the right. If you're leftist, which I don't, the the leftists I speak with, they rarely ever watch anything on the right. Um, the majority that I've spoken with. And I think it's sad because you are, whatever your position is, you want to get both sides. But what worries me again is if something happened, let's say yesterday, something big, I guarantee you it would, if it went more narrative, it would be on Fox News, it would show it. It wouldn't be on NBC, ABC, CBS, et cetera. But if something fit their narrative, it would be on ABC, NBC, CBS, but it might not be on Fox, not to the end. You know, and I'm talking about the top big issue, mm. you know, that's what worries me. Before in the 80s and the 90s, I was consistent. You would see the very news. It didn't matter which station you yeah. were on. And I think around the 2000s when it changed. My well, uh, okay. But like when, when I was in college that, that far back, I wanted to consume as much news as possible because I figured being well-informed was, was important about all the affairs around the world or, or even in my, my local, local area. The problem we have now is that we don't trust our news anymore. And... 
the alternate spaces that are now coming up is challenging the narrative as well as competing against these people. Now, when you lose trust, when, when the meteorologist is more trustworthy than your news anchor, <laughs> right, that you've got a problem. And, and if more people see through the lies, see through the manipulation, see through the, the bold-faced um, fabrications that they're coming up with, they, they tune out, you know, and, and they'll find their own ways of, of finding truth hopefully in, in decent spaces, but th that remains to be seen. It's just a matter of trust. And in regards to the news, I feel that a lot of us, we work so, we're always busy. We're so busy Which that we want somebody probably. to, instead of us taking the time and cook the meal and putting it on the plate, we just take what's there. And that's the problem with the news. We always just take what we hear instead of doing our research, doing our due diligence to find out what really is happening, find out the background of what's happening. Well, that's why we you go know? to the media. Well, no, not necessarily just <laughs> to, okay. not to the media only, but not to, you know, certain areas. We, we listen to all aspects of what's going on and then we can make a right decision. I think as people of God, he gives us discernment as well to kind of like, kind of use critical thinking skills to figure out, well, how could this be if a and B equals C. Where did D come from? You mm. know? I, and I think a lot of times people neglect to do that. They just hear something and they parrot what they hear mm -hmm. instead of going and doing the research right. to find out what truth is in this. Where, where's the background that leaded to this um, where we are now? Yeah. It's kind of like the situation with the, um, the slave trade, okay, mm. in Africa. Yeah. Who were the ones that sold their people? Right. We heard a story that, you know, you need these guns, you know, and we can give them to you, but you got to give us some of your folks. And they did that. So mm. at the end of the day, it was our own people that mm. gave people. You guys were talking about, um, I don't know who wants to talk, but you guys were talking about um, looking at different perspectives, the left and the right. And I understand that, you know, you were saying that we should have media, we should have um this news, these news agencies, but I, I don't mind looking at different perspectives, but I don't want to be lied to. Right. You know, I don't want to be manipulated. Don't play with my emotions. Just report reality right. as it is. But, but Even if it's from a leftist perspective, as long as it's real, but I can acknowledge hearing, it. Hearing, hearing, I see again, whose perspective? Again, I leave you with a great philosopher. Chini Wachebe, African philosopher, things fall apart. Mm -hmm. Now, you can't escape results of modernization. As you said, we have microwave, we have trains, we have faster cars, we have airplanes. So who's media? Now, if everyone becomes media, if everyone becomes their medium and dispense their information, who consumes it? So in some sense, you must rely on an organization. Paul said, whether you have a left-leaning or a right-leaning or right-of-center or left-of-center, you will gravitate to whatever interest you have. Mm. And in, within that sense, it comes back again to economics. Well, economics. Mm. The bottom me, line, economics. Okay, I might push back um, on that, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually uh, agree, agree with him. I agree with him because, you know, Christ, Christ said that in, in that particular um, context, he said, um, 
Render unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar, but render unto God that things that belong unto God. What, what we're seeing, in the, uh, the dynamic is those who have the most resources. Those are the ones that are hidden as the billionaires and so forth. Those that are controlling, they have the controlling interest in media. They're the ones that's controlling the minds of the people because mm-hmm. we recognize that the vast majority of the people are not going to be as uh, uh, discerning as a smaller portion of the media. So they understand that the, the masses can be led by media. So they, they use their economic resources to, to garner the media, control the masses with media. And control means at the end of the day that I remain economically in control because right. if 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 you're in a state of confusion you're mm-hmm. never going to find the discernment to come right. after my resources right. on an equal basis right i just had a great question and, and i'll leave it like this um when you were 19 or 20 years old and your ideas of whatever the topic it was how do they change where you presently now did you have the same ideas or would you let's put it this way do you think the 19 or this generation is so easily manipulated, easily manipulated, or would you think your generation would have been so easily manipulated? Since you're slightly older than me. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say they're not, well, to some degree, yes. And they're more, this generation is more quick to react where um, we had more discernment as older and they're trying to get rid of us. But that's another that's another situation (laughs) Um, that's going to go out there. But back to um, the media and the uh, economic um, fueling uh, of the people behind the media to these um, companies, CNN, MSNBC, all of those people. They have had turnovers because they realize that a lot of people are not listening to what they're saying. The narrative is not making sense. And a lot of people are not putting the time or the effort into listening to them. And they're shifting it up because they're trying to get back that people back in to listening to them. So, you know, yeah, there are millionaires and yes, they have money, but really and truly we, the people, we, the people can dictate what Mm. happens. And if we don't go to target because they are whatever their pro agendas are, they will lose money and they will have to come back around. Right. One thing that always baffles me is how a minority of people control the world when we make up the majority. We because don't. We're, not we're right. Right. Exactly. We don't even agree with their agenda. No. But yet they have power over us, and we put them into power. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like That's even with I'm, you know I'm not trying to I'm gonna wrap up soon, but mm-hmm. even with this whole transgender thing, and you know um, Biden his executive order when he first came into office, one of his first executive orders was to um, get rid of discrimination towards transgender. Mm-hmm individuals, including kids. So in the order, um, it says something around the lines of, you know, little boys or children shouldn't have to worry about what bathroom they they can use or locker room or anything like that. Um, You know, my elders, they taught me about biological truth. They taught me I was a man, you know? They taught you that you were a female, right? But how is it that we are putting someone in power that we don't even agree with fundamentally on, on, on a moral level. But you see what I'm saying? Why do we give these people this power when we don't even agree with them? But on are something we? Sim- as simple as are gender. Are we putting these people in power? 
Some of are us we? are. No, <laughs> I think it's more the money behind them that's putting them in power. We all know this at this point right. yeah. because most of us did not vote for Joe Biden. He did not campaign. He but, did not come out, but he is the president. Did we put him in office? Well, I didn't, but a lot okay. of people, but there are, you would no. agree that there's people that supported no, him. I, that's the I mean, we could get into the election yeah, and all yeah, of that. Yeah. Herein lies the paradox again, economics. And I will oh. submit to you Economics has yeah. trumped I'm gonna yeah. make one last literally point. and figuratively every other science. There's a reason why communism fell. Remember, Hitler was elected based mm. on economics. We were speaking earlier about the power of the Jewish community, economics. Now, we here who are self-enlightened and self-aware, we don't put economics over individual lives or over our own personal lives. But at the end of the day, everything in this life, in this hemisphere, is based on economics, including the local ecclesia, which is a church. Everything mm -hmm. in this life is built upon economics. And mm. you said, who put these people in power? There's a reason why there are certain things that are free. There's a reason why there are membership, and there are lodges, and there are guilds. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why there are endowment funds. You speak about the LGBTQ+. Mm. There's a reason why there are chairs, person. Right. There's okay. a reason. Economics. You just yeah. read about but, the Ford Corporation, right? The Rand Corporation, right? But to touch on what you're Halliburton. saying, Halliburton. To touch on what you're saying, mm -hmm. we need willing participants to build this evil system. We need these these billionaires and these elites. They need willing participants and individuals to get involved with these movements. We saw Black Lives Matter. Thousands of people in the streets. They're being paid off. They don't have. They could say no to the money. You know. They have to make a choice. Their machine cannot run without us, is what I'm saying. So we have to take back our power and be more responsible. And yes, it is economics. Like you said, if I need a dollar and you're going to pay me to sell my soul, you know, then I got to look myself in the mirror. But I don't have to sell my soul. And that is why That's communism it. failed. Right. right. That is why Humanity communism failed. He, you were going to say um, something, I think. I'm going to make one last point, but go ahead and I'll close. All right. Um, I was going to say just um, something that was shared with me years ago in the military. Um, they said six, six to seven percent of the people control the, the GNP, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the world. Another, at least in our culture, another 12 to 13 percent go to college and learn how to manage those resources. But the other 78 to 80 percent work nine to five to make the six percent rich. Mm -hmm. It's that six percent. Yes that is controlling the narrative, even from a biblical standpoint, when you go from the days of Solomon, who was the richest man who ever lived, and he conducted the greatest evangelistic work the world had ever seen at that time. Kings from all around the world were coming to him and bowing down to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. After his fall, and that's a whole nother narrative, the enemy, until that time, the enemy had not recognized the power that was in resources or wealth. Mm -hmm. But then came the king of Tyre mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. That's the only place in scripture where Satan openly claims his dominion over. He called himself the king of Tyre because mm -hmm. it was part them along with Nebuchadnezzar who had taken over, had looted the wealth of Solomon. And he took after 
entire fail, he took his kingdom up into the heavenly. And now he controls the narrative. And that was the place where he took Christ up. Remember, he said he would show him all the kingdoms of the world. He would give right, it to right, him right. if he would bow yeah. down to him. That yeah. was the economic system of this world. Right. He controls everything in this. And it's, that transition is coming. Those of us who are Christians yeah. and are enlightened and, and, and are not holding to the media as is and not uh. holding to these other things. We look into our okay. God, but those are the, the things oh, that's we got controlled. A, we got a sermon today. I'm going to close. And one, one more thing. And a scripture says, you cannot serve man and mammoth. Right. Okay? Right. So exactly. we have to True. make a decision. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I'm going to make this last point. So um, in the documentary, Candace Owens talked about Black Lives Matter and the founder, Patrice Cullors, and um, actually it was founded by Patrice Cullors and uh, another, um, I think it was a, a white lady or, so, or a white guy or something like that. But anyway, um, Patrice Cullors said that she is a trained Marxist. So we have to ask ourselves, what is Marxism? Who is Marx? Who is Karl Marx? I was reading uh, Karl Marx's book, The Communist Manifesto, and I was, I was going through some things and they um, made the light go off in my head. So he has a plank. There's a plank in the Communist Manifesto. There's 10 uh, objectives um, that he talks about, and I'm just going to run through them real quick. Um, one, abolition of property in land and application of all rents of land to public purposes. Abolition of property. So I want to own my own house. You know, according to this, abolition of property. I can't own my own house. Uh, a heavy progressive uh, graduated income tax. Should we even be taxed on our income? That's a whole nother issue. Um, abolition of all rights of inheritance. So if I work hard and I want to pass down an inheritance to my child, according to communism, there should be an abolition of all right of inheritance. Confiscation of the property of all immigrants and rebels. That sounds crazy. Uh, centralization of credit in the hands of the state by means of a national bank with state capital and an exclusive monopoly. That means that the government, the state will control the money. It'll be centralized in their hands. Centralization of the means of communication and transport in the hands of the state. So that means that the state is gonna control the media. State already has influence over the media. Seven, extension of factories and instruments of production owned by the state. Eight, equal liability of all uh, to labor, establishment of industrial armies, especially for agriculture. Nine, combination of agriculture and manufacturing industries, gradual abolition of the distinction between town and country. So basically, um, New York would become Florida, or Florida would be New York. There would be no distinction. We would just be one big lump of country. No, no identity, you know? Um, and 10, free education for all children in public schools, abolition of children's factory labor in its present form, combination of education with industrial production. So public schools, look at the public schools. We already have government schools as, as it stands now. How's it working out for us? Are our children getting smarter? Or, like you were describing Joe Biden's um, well, when, America right now. Well, well, everything think, that you just did. Right, but think about it. They go, even before Biden. You when mean you the think Department about of Education that was created by right. uh, so, Carter? Yeah, so yeah, think about it. These, these are the 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto. We already have a few of these planks operating in this country. It's crazy. And, and, and last thing I'm going to say, in, the, in his book, Karl Marx, he says, he talks about uh, eternal truths. He says, uh, there are besides eternal truths, such as freedom, justice, um, etc. There are common 
that are common to all states of society, but communism abolishes eternal truths. It abolishes all religion and all morality. Instead of constituting them on a new basis, it therefore acts in contradiction to all past historical experience. That's a lie. I'm so know. it abolishes a religion and morality. That's all of us in here have morality. Right. The founder of Black yes. Lives Matter says she's a trained Marxist. So what does that tell you about the agenda? Exactly. Exactly. Let's see, majority people don't know that. If she says he's trained Marxist, does she know the history of Sheikh Rivera? And does she know the history of what she, what Sheikh Rivera thought about black people or minority people like that? Probably not. Yeah. She does. And she just wants the money. Even in Marxism, even Marxism, there was stacked racism. Yeah, exactly. Racism. Exactly. In Marxism. Right. Make your last point. Even in Marxism, there was starked racism. There was economic dif division. Mm. Because when I say the state, who is the state? Mm. The state is not a machinery, it's not an apparatus. Someone mm. has to direct and guide. Just like a company, right. the managing right. director. In law, he said the mind and will of the company. A company can't go to jail. Yeah. Starbucks can't go to jail. Um, PC, what is them? JC Penny can't go to jail. Yeah. There's a directing mind and will in law. Right. So there's somebody who directs the state. Right. That's how Hitler got the power. Because mm. he got the Jews to fund his party. There you go. And after that, so, he decided that he, Hitler, sure. became the state, the Third Reich. No, it's after World That's War I. Good point. Anyway, great points. Mm -hmm. This was a great conversation. I think these conversations need to be broadcast forecasted and um, be held on uh, the national media. Um, MSNBC, holla at me, CNN. Let's get a real town hall going. Changing the narrative. Thank you guys for tuning in. Peace. Okay, so there it is. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation and all that commentary. I thought it was good to get a group of people in a room to have a town hall discussion about that but um anyway um i did want to see what all the hype was about about the documentary but um looking back on some of the comments that were made one gentleman said during the conversation that uh no other group has suffered more injustice than blacks and he was referring to different areas like economically socially otherwise and so i was thinking about that and um thought to myself, you know, as far as that goes, I, I would have to question that only because I haven't studied the history of other races and what they've gone through or other people groups and their oppression. I think sometimes some people who are black, I have to um, make a distinction. It's not all black people, but some people that are black happen to think that they have a monopoly on oppression or suffering, right? So when you start to dig into history, you start to see how basically human beings of all shades have really been oppressed or have suffered in some form because of their ethnicity, religion, etc. You know, the, the Jews might feel that way. Palestinians might feel that way. Um, Arabs might feel that way. Ukrainians might feel that way right now, Russians, you know, etc. There's so much to consider here, you know, even the Native Americans who were pretty much extinct. You know, um, at one time, 
we could have said, okay, blacks are suffering more injustice than any particular group in a particular country at this certain time in history. And the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is because, you know, this feeling of being oppressed or constantly being a, a victim is something that I often hear when I, when I speak to relatives or friends who are black. Okay. Um, and the oppression of others, it, it seems like we put our oppression above others and tend not to question whether or not we do any oppressing or are held accountable for any wrong. So this is, again, this is a common theme or common, a common mentality that I see. You know, when I, when I talk to some relatives and I, I talk to some people I know, I mean, it's been an ongoing thing. Even people that I don't know, I might just get in a random conversation with people and they feel as if the black race is like the only race going through some type of hardship because of their color or, or just that they have it bad, you know, all around and like nobody else is suffering. You know what I mean? Like sometimes some people make everything a race issue, but not everything is a race issue. But anyway, um, just moving forward, there's a few interesting um points that I wanted to make or I thought were interesting. So like, you know, when we talk about systemic racism or we do turn issues or make issues racial issues um i start to question some of these things so for instance when it came to the whole blm movement and the whole um systemic racism narrative i was noticing that um there was a lot of groups which i touched on in the commentary um donors that gave away tons of money to black causes so there's an article written by the New American. It's called um, titled Hacked Documents, Soros Funded Black Lives Matter, written by C. Mitchell Shaw, August 19, 2016. So in that article, um, it says uh, when George Soros Open Society Foundations was accused last year of funding Black Lives Matter, Ken Zimmerman, the director of U.S. programs at OSF, flatly denied it and claimed it was a fantastic rumor. He says, I can't really speculate on what leads to rumors, but it's wrong. He said, I don't even know where one begins to reconstruct something like that. But anyway, um, that same week, or I think maybe sometime after, hackers published documents which show that two months before Zimmerman's denial, the OSF board approved $650,000 to BLM. So George Soros is, um, he's a billionaire, white guy. And he's given thousands of dollars to a black cause, right? Then you have um, this Fox News article, uh, and it was published April 26, 2022. And it's titled, Companies That Loudly Supported BLM Fall Silent When Confronted with Skyrocketing Black Murders. But anyway, it talks about some of the, the corporations, the big corporations that gave money to these causes. So it says uh, companies such as Nordstrom, Ben and Jerry's, Amazon openly align themselves with Black Lives Matter. Nordstrom said in January of 2021 that it was supporting the important work of nonprofit organizations, including the Black Lives Matter and Global Network Foundation. 
uh, Amazon in 2020 um, donated 10 million to organizations that are working to bring about social justice and improve the lives of black and African-Americans, end of quote, including BLM. Um, while Ben and Jerry's noted in 2020, it supported the BLM movement years before Floyd's death and declared today, we want to be even more clear about the urgent need to take concrete steps to dismantle white supremacy in all its forms. And then you have Nike, Converse, Jordan Brand donating money over 10 years to organizations like the National Urban League and Equal Justice Initiative. Apple launched a $100 million program called a Racial Equity and Justice Initiative Justice Initiative in uh, June 2020. And they pledged to support various groups, including working with EJI, uh, Facebook. Uh, they pledged support to groups fighting racial inequality just days after Floyd's death, um, as well as Ultra Beauty. I'm sure you guys heard of Ultra Beauty. It's a store that I see in the mall. You can get your makeup done over there. But anyway... Um, Target announced a $10 million commitment to advancing social justice, including donations to National Urban League. So, you know, when we talk about systemic racism, like, we got to remember, we, we have to, I think, question some of this or question that talking point. Like, okay, here you have a black man that died. You have a white officer that used um, force right? Which led to his death. And then you have these big corporations that, to my knowledge, are owned by white people that step up and support these black causes by the millions, right? George Soros given thousands of dollars. Not only that, um, what happened when Floyd died? They, they prosecuted Derek Chauvin, Derek Chauvin, the white guy, right? So, how is it that we live in such a systemically racist place, but that same system is prosecuting people that go and commit crimes against blacks, right? That same system that some claim to be racist is prosecuting the very color that people are uh, accusing of being racist. So it, it does seem contradictory. I'm not saying that you know, systemic racism never existed, anything like that. I'm just saying at this current time in history, I I don't see, it, it doesn't make sense to me, that, that claim. Um, and, you know, it seems like we think racism is the only crime that white people commit, as if, you know, whites, white people can't be guilty of any other sin, you know, like every other human being. So what I mean is, as an example, like if, if you're black and a white man is rude to you at a restaurant or the bank, does it mean that they're racist? Have, have you ever considered that maybe this person might just be rude to everyone and that they have personality flaws? Or, you know, if, if a white guy cuts you off in traffic, is it because he's racist or could it mean that maybe he's a reckless driver? You know, and he cuts everyone off in traffic. So the point I'm making is that not everything is a racial issue. Even in the case of um, of George Floyd, you know, Keith Ellison, who is the attorney general of Minnesota, who is black, 
he was interviewed by 60 Minutes and he was he was asked if he thought Floyd's death was a hate crime. And here's what he said. I'm going to play the clip. Was this a hate crime? I wouldn't call it that because hate crimes are crimes where there's an explicit motive and uh, of bias. We don't have any evidence that Derek Chauvin factored in uh, George Floyd's race as he did what he did. You could have charged him with a hate crime under Minnesota law, yeah. and you chose not to. Could have, um, but we only charge those crimes that we had evidence to, that we could put in front of a jury to prove. If we'd have had a witness that told us that Derek Chauvin made a racial reference, we might have charged him with a hate crime. But I would have needed a witness to say that on the stand. We didn't have it, so we didn't do it. The whole world sees this as a white officer killing a black man because he is black. And you're telling me that there's no evidence to support that. So he said, I wouldn't call it a hate crime. That's because hate crimes are crimes where there's an explicit motive and of bias. We don't have any evidence that Derek Chauvin factored in George Floyd's race as he did what he did. But you see, the media made it about race and they pushed this talking point, which some people believe. So this is what I mean by media manipulation. And again, when the story broke, the system, the, the, the racist system, quote unquote, prosecuted Derek Chauvin and the national media blasted this story to the public and pretty much supported the BLM movement and showed their outrage. So again, like on one hand, people claim systemic racism, but on the other hand, the same system is showing its outrage when blacks suffer injustice and supports black causes. So again, I think we need to rethink and question that talking point. And I was thinking about Trayvon Martin as well. You know, Trayvon Martin, um, when, when he was killed, the DOJ pursued a federal investigation into that incident. And that was under Obama, who was a black man, first black president, right? So you got the federal government, which is the system that we talk about, going after or or prosecuting someone who killed another black man under the watch of a black man, a black leader. So this is the system. <laughs> so I, I'm just trying to get you to, to question that whole narrative pretty much. Anyway, that's all I have for today's show. I do hope you enjoyed it. Um, let me know what you think. As always, give me some feedback and um, I'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace.